Computer, initialize Holosuite. to another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Perry. I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 3, Episode 25, Facets. But before we continue, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. Yeah, you can pretty much find us everywhere because we're trying to supersaturate the market with all things Deep Space Nine right now because the show is awesome and you should be watching it. Plus, with all the other stuff that's going on in New Trek, it is the only show that I feel like doesn't have any newer references to it yet. Uh, direct references anyway, not oblique references, but direct ones. And um, that needs to change. Um, and yes, as David said, you can find us everywhere. And um, I do apologize again because the Twitter thing has turned into even more of a fiasco. I don't know what, you know, the great brains of Elon Musk's brain trust are thinking, but it's made it very difficult to operate a page like ours. So I'm still trying to get that sorted out. And once we do, then yes, we'll be back up and running. So um don't miss us too much, basically. We'll be back. I promise. <laughs> I promise. But you can still catch us other ways. Again, you can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And our Facebook page is still alive and kicking. So if you need anything or you have any questions, comments, concerns, whatever, you can always send them there. And we'll get to you as soon as we can. Uh, now, before we dive into the second to last episode of the third season, I'd like to check in, of course. So, David, how was your week? Oh, it's been been good. Uh, I guess there's not much to say. Well, I guess work has been kind of uppy downy. There's a uh, a charity that I've been getting orders from for the last two years, and uh, today she finally placed an order for fifty twin size mattresses and fifty boxes for the same size. So these are like three hundred dollar mattress box sets. So, as you can imagine, it's a lot of money in one go. Um, so it made my numbers look really good for the day. <laughs> uh, it's uh, just funny to, you know, you get calls from people being like, oh, man, you're having a great day at work, aren't you? Things are going really well. I was like, yeah, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. I mean, I, I mean, other things happen, but uh, it was just funny. To, I'm going to actually go visit the, the place uh, here in Austin. Uh, I've actually been to this charity. They've just called me up and asked for beds, and I gave them a discount. You know, and they're tax exempt, yada yada yada. Um, but I'm like, at this point, you know, I've been getting calls from the same person there for the last two years. I should go visit, so I'll be uh, doing that this week just to see what they do and how they're using the beds that they've purchased from me. Be curious to see how that gets used. So that's nice. Yeah. It's nice to be a bit hands on with the charity, you know, yeah, know what's exactly. going on. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Yeah. Well, my week has been um, relatively yeah, no. My week has been relatively uneventful. Um, I um, officially became a year older, so that's always fun. Is to you know remark on you know my forward progression to decrepancy. Um, but <laughs> no, I, I don't really think of it that way. I don't want people to think like I I hate aging or something. That's that's certainly not it. Um, but no, I mean it was cool. I um, you know. Did actually, I was helping out at my um, sister's bar for the majority of it. So you know that was. It's nice to do different things, I guess. So um, I was just enjoying that, and then of course I have my my kid with me, and that's pretty much really all I all I need. I don't really need to make this like a big fanfare event or anything like that. I plan to do a little bit of traveling um, later in the in the year, and I'm kind of I guess making that into my kind of long-term glorified birthday plans but it's more like a life thing of getting myself out and doing more stuff but um right yeah i mean other than that it was a pretty um quiet overall somber week for me and um i'm fine with that so um basically i was boring this week there but anyway um yeah. now that we got that <laughs> little bit out of the way there um let's get to the more exciting stuff oh. Yeah, I should mention, I guess, 
I think I've talked about on the show before, Counterpart, the show Counterpart with J.K. Simmons with you. I finished it last night. It's only two seasons long. They cut it off after two seasons, but they do wrap it up nicely by the second season. Amazing show. Fantastic. J.K. Simmons is a fantastic actor. He's playing two versions of himself. Mm -hmm. He's uh, got his wife character. I can't remember the actress at the moment, but similar uh, fantastic acting. This last season, like the last couple episodes were great as they're wrapping up this second season. And it does, again, wrap up nicely, even though they did have some elements that could have led into a third season, uh, but they chose to cut it off at two. Um, yeah, anyone who needs a good show, unfortunately, yeah, it's on Amazon Prime, but at this point, you have to pay for the show. You don't, Even if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, it's not a free show. You have to pay for it, but it's totally worth it. In my experience, it was 15 bucks per season. 30 bucks for the show. Um, if you have 30 bucks to throw on a sh to, at something, that's a good show to throw it at. Uh, but yeah, that, that's all I had to say. I meant to mention that earlier. Okay. I thought like I should say it because it was really good. <laughs> yeah. well, I was going to say that I you know, don't have anything new to watch, but of course there is Star Trek Picard, which is mm. going strong. And um, as... As much as I now, right? yes, as much as I enjoyed the first episode, the second one was even better. We got the big reveal of the main man, Worf himself, and he was just as badass as I needed him to be. If anything, <laughs> he's more badass as like older Worf than he ever was as right. younger Worf, which is saying something, especially as we get into D Space Nine. You're going to see Worf really kind of kicks it up a bit. So. In in this second episode, he comes in, and I mean, it's it's a fantastic scene with him, and um, you know, and, and and to move away from him and talking about you know the reveal of you know Beverly Crusher and um, her um, reuniting with um, uh, Captain Picard and and William Riker, of course, you know, and and th that interplay, all of it was just it was it was great, and I. I really look forward to seeing again how they kind of bring everybody back into it because that's that's kind of what they're doing. Like it's bit by bit, piece by piece, we're getting the the crew back together. So I know there's going to become a moment where they're all together. I'm anticipating right. it's probably going to be closer to like the end of the run, and it's like everybody's united for the the final part of the mission because it seems like each person has a little piece of the puzzle that they're trying to solve. So as right. they, as someone comes back into the fold, they gain new information. So, right. Um, Very good. Yeah. So it's an interesting way to reintroduce us to old uh, faces, you know, and uh, seeing how that works out. And also seeing that not everybody is, I guess, as warm and open as you would expect, you know, because when we left everybody on Next Generation, the show, not just the, not through the movies, but even if you want to count those and some of them, they were a close knit group. They were very family esque, right? Right. So now to see yeah. them and to see kind of how they've drifted over the years, and they're right. you know, they're still like glimmers, twinkles of that camaraderie there, but they're also more reserved and they're less inclined to really kind of throw in their hat with each other. For a minute, and then they kind of have to, you know, warm up to each other again and then get there. It's an interesting thing to watch because for such a close-knit group, you, I guess you just kind of assume that once they get back together, it's kind of, you know, the the fire is back, right? But instead, we're having right. to watch them kind of rekindle that magic a bit. But then they, they get there. Um and so that's interesting to watch as they as they move through. And again, it's only been two episodes. Plus, we've got a ton of new characters. You know, the new villain. We've got a new captain who starts off as every bit the bastard that he seems. And then he kind of has a slight change of heart, now. right? Yeah. We've got Seven of Nine running through and doing her thing. And then we've got all these other little junior officers who are just kind of part comic relief, part just there. And um, all mixed in. And it's it's very interesting to watch so um if you haven't started watching it i definitely think that you should and um when they were saying that this is kind of the proper send-off so supposed to be the proper send-off for next generation i'm gonna so far say i agree i like the way they're handling the characters there's definitely a respect about their age without the constant jokes about age and it's more about the longevity of friendship and loyalty 
than it is about yeah. the fact that they're just so old. You know that 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 whole them being older is definitely secondary to everything else that's going on. And um, okay. one thing I do have to keep reminding myself though is the significant age differences, supposedly anyway, between everyone. Like we have to remember that you know with this being you know the twenty fourth or twenty fifth century now and advancements in medical science and, and so forth no one is the age that you really think that they are like for example jean-luc picard is 94 years old in this show now does he look it does he act it of course not and we know that the real you know patrick stewart is not 94 years old but at the same time like there is there is that and then you see the differences with everybody else so just keep that in mind keep things like that in the back of your mind when you watch the show and i think it will just kind of enhance your overall experience so right but yeah, that's the only thing that I've been watching lately and um, trying to, you know, get some other things done, like reading The Expanse and all that stuff. So we have, we have things coming up planned for all of those. But um, okay. in the meantime, we have Deep Space Nine to hold us steady. And what an interesting episode that we get to talk about tonight. Facets. Yeah. Um, yes. An odd split, I feel. I mean, we have an A story and a B story, but in a sense, almost like we have a C story too here. Uh, you know, the A story is, of course, focusing on John Zia Dax. The B story is Nog and his Nog. what's going on with him. But to me, the C story in this is Odo and yeah. Odo's interactions in this episode. So, um, yeah, we're going to get into it. Uh, David, would you want me to give the uh, quick summation or do you want to? Uh, I'm happy for you to do it, but... Um... Uh, I'll, I can I'll do take it. it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, go, go for it. It's a Noto episode in part. Yeah, do right. it. go for it. All right. So in this episode, we find Jadzia Dax is go- undergoing a um, a Trill ritual called the Jantara. This allows the Trill, the current Trill host, to have the memories and basically life experiences of the previous host removed from them placed in the body of another individual temporarily and allow them to interact with one another. And um, Dazia has seven different um, hosts or memories or, or lifetimes, however you want to look at it, within her. And so each of these is going to be embodied by one of the various, you know, main characters here. Um, you know, Odo, Kira, uh, Cisco, Quark, Bashir, O'Brien, and Lita who just kind of comes out of nowhere, but whatever. Okay, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll take it. I'm not going to say, right. you know, not having Lita there isn't fun. Um, <laughs> so they all agree to participate in this ceremony where they will temporarily lose control of their bodies or have their own personalities suppressed while these other memories take over for them. They do have the right. ability to override the personality should they need to, but for the most part, it's, you know, basically you just kind of, you relax and let the memories do their thing in your body. Right. So, um, meanwhile, while this is going on, Nog is practicing to take the Starfleet exam to get into the Academy. Or no, he's right. he's he's practicing to take the exam that would allow him to take the Starfleet exam to get into the Academy. So that's <laughs> a, a stepping stone that I had. It took me a while to wrap my mind around. So while he's doing all these practices, of course, he's, you know, uh, Quark is upset with the fact that his nephew is trying to enter into the Academy, doesn't think it's um, a good thing for Ferengi to do, colossal waste of time. But uh, Rom, Nog's father, is like, no, you know, if this is what you want, go for it. Totally supportive of his son. So Jadzia has her various Jantara moments with everybody, respectively, as their various various trills, like um, Kira is Leela, um... Um, Bashir is, is he Tobin? No, Tobin is O'Brien. Yeah, O'Brien is Tobin. Um, Sisko is Duran, the murderer. And, um, Lita is Emini. And who the heck is Bashir? I always forget who he is. I think he's (laughs) Tarias. Yeah, he's Tarias. Okay. And, um... Yeah, so they have their meetings, and they all seem to go pretty well. And through these meetings, she understands aspects of herself, why she has a certain bent to her personality. Like with Leela, she learns that this is why she you know, would walk a certain way, talk a certain way, hold her hands behind her back. She gets her kind of scientific acumen from Tobin, and, you know, Tarias is a very, you know, gregarious 
individual. And then, of course, we come to Curzon, who goes into um, Odo. Now, because of Odo's unique physiology, the joining of Odo and Curzon kind of blends the two together, almost as if Odo has been joined by a trail symbiont himself, and he fully embodies Curzon. His hair changes, he gets the trill spots, he even at one point changes his uniform and is wearing what I can only assume is somebody's Persian rug. Like, it's the most <laughs> ridiculous design of clothes I've ever seen. And Jake hold my beer. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, Jake hold my beer. Exactly. That is exactly it. And yeah. um, I, I just, I was, yeah, I paused it on that. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> what is that? Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, you know, she, the other Jantara meetings go pretty well, except for two, which is the Curzon one and the Duran one. Because Duran is a murderer. And he, you know, he goes into Cisco. Um, they have to lock him up because they're afraid he's going to try to murder somebody. And of course, he does. He does try to murder someone. Jadzia, when she's talking to him in the brig, he tricks her briefly and she lowers the force field and he tries to strangle her. So, and then she beats the crap out of Cisco, which allows him to reestablish his control. And um, some very interesting things about all of that scene, which we're going to get to later. Some, some things I found very hilarious. Then, of course, again, we have to have the resolution with Curzon, and Curzon has decided to stay blended with Odo. They don't want to go back to Jarzia. The Guardian, who was there from the Trill homeworld to facilitate this whole Jantara process, says, hey, unfortunately, we can't force Curzon out. If Odo wants him to stay, he can stay. And there doesn't seem to be any really, you know, long-term effects, negative effects to Jarzia. She'll feel out of sorts for a little bit, but she'll adjust, she'll adapt. They eventually... Um, Odo, Odo, Odo Curzon and Jadzia eventually meet and talk it out, and it's basically revealed that the reason that um, Curzon, one, didn't want to leave Odo, and two, why he washed Jadzia out of the initiate program in the first place was because he had, through spending a bunch of time with her when she was an initiate, had fallen in love with her, and he, for some reason, thought this was a good reason to wash her out of the system. So then... She, when she reapplied, he felt so guilty for his actions the first time around that he basically just got out of her way and let her move to the program where she eventually became joined. And now he doesn't want to rejoin her because he doesn't want her to feel both the love that he has and the shame that he has over his interactions. But they right. come to terms with this and they agree to, you know, go back to where they're supposed to be. Right. And the episode ends, for them anyway, with uh, Odo and Dax kind of reconciling their experiences as joined individuals. Yes. Um, on the Nog front, Nog fails the exam and is all sad about having failed the exam. Quark is oddly understanding, which seems to tip Rum off that something has happened. He does a little investigating and he finds that Quark had reprogrammed the Holosuite to make it to where... Um, uh, Nog would fail. He tells Cisco about what what Quark did, and Cisco agrees to let Nog retake the exam. And Nog, Nog Rom then threatens uh, Quark, telling him that if he ever does anything to hurt Nog ever yes. again, he will burn the bar to the ground, which kind of scares Quark a bit. So on the retake, Cisco sees that um, Nog actually passes. And the episode ends for them with a kind of celebration of sorts in Quark's bar, honoring the fact that he passed the exam. And now, in a year, he has to take another exam to enter into the Academy. <laughs> so, yeah. That's it. That's essentially the episode. Um, I hit the high points. I know I did, because I'm great like that. Um, but, yeah. What did you think of this episode? Yeah, it was a good one. It was one of those episodes that... Um, well, let's put it this way. So a lot of episodes, you're, I, I'm expecting there to be a conflict of some kind. Something goes wrong. We have to we have to fix something. And by the end, there's a crisis point that's resolved and things are turned to normal. This episode doesn't have that in the in in that traditional way. Jadzia's uh, transferring of memories doesn't have a crisis point. So, for example, let me put it this way. When Cisco is joined with, uh, who's, the, who's the guy again? Duran. Duran. Uh, and Duran starts to kind of take over Cisco and like 
part of what happens is like, you know, he forces Cisco to put his hands on the barrier that's hurting him and he bangs his head against it. Um, that's why Jadzia in part turns off the barrier because that means that he's hurting Cisco's body. Um, I thought, oh, okay, this will be the crisis point. I mean, I was thinking that might happen before it happened and then it's happening and I'm like, okay, this will be the crisis point. Uh, Cisco becomes a crazed murderer possessed oh, I see what you're saying yeah mm -hmm. and then uh, the rest of the episode would turn into having to corral Cisco uh, back and get his memories out uh, but that's not what happened in fact it resolves fairly quick you know Jadzia punches him a time or two and that as you pointed out allows Cisco to re reassert himself in his own body uh, and then the actual longer part of the storyline is is the Curzon Odo pairing or merging mm -hmm. which was fantastic I loved seeing Rene Albergenois playing a totally different character. He was gregarious. He was outgoing. He's smiling even through all those prosthetics on his yeah. face. He was able to – that's that's really what was the most fun actually was seeing all the actors getting a chance to play different characters even though they're still – still O'Brien, but he's now chewing his fingernails and has a kind of a high-pitched, nervous character um, – and, uh, and Bashir is kind of similar to Curzon. He's got a swagger to him now. And then, of course, the one of the funny part is when Quark is made to em embody a woman. Audrid, yes. And, yes, and it's great. I actually really love that scene, in part because it's kind of a silly, simple, oh, it's so wonderful to have children, kind of, you know, Quark's being humiliated. And so Quark reasserts himself briefly to tell Jadzia, like, hey, I don't like doing this, and she's like, just another hour. Um, but that sets up the Cisco having to fight with the guy in his brain. Mm -hmm. um, because it, Cisco does briefly kind of reassert himself, but then the guy reasserts his personality, and he grabs Jadzia by the throat. That's when they start fighting. Um, but yeah, all of that was, was all great beforehand. It was really the Odo... Curzon stuff that was fantastic. I'm not a huge fan of the oh, I was actually secretly in love with you. I'm a man who was in my like 70s or 80s. I don't right, know how old he was. right. He was significantly and like older, a, and she was like barely 20. 20s. Right, yeah. she was barely 20, and you know that's yeah. He keeps saying you were beautiful, you were beautiful, and I'm like, all right. And it's like, okay, buddy. <laughs> and that's one of the that's one of the the tropes of the 90s that I've always kind of had an issue with too. Is you know they they, for some reason, don't want to say what it really is. And so instead of, again, saying what it really is, which is purely lust, it's lustful intention, yes. they always clock yeah. it under there. Oh, I can't believe that you were in love with me. He wasn't in love with you. That's not possible. Yes. You were yes. you were barely 20. You were right. a young kid initiate going through this program. He was a very powerful elderly man who yes. can't help but remark upon the fact of just how lovely, how beautiful you are. Yeah. In fact, they say it multiple mm -hmm. times, how lovely, yes. how beautiful, how pretty she is, and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's clear that that is where his true fascination lies. And then yes. it's like, oh, but then I thought it was just simple fascination, infatuation. But then as I spent more time with you, I still want to put my foot down. I don't care how much yeah. how much time you spend with them. You are a 70-something-year-old man talking with this 20-year-old. She, she's your granddaughter. There is nothing that she could have said that could have made you even remotely think this could be more Real. than you want right yeah it's yeah it feels this it's it's it feels as creepy as a college professor yeah. hitting on a student and it seemed really I, strained it seemed also yes. very strange i would have accepted this more if it had been on that kind of basis of he started off with you know licentious intent and then upon spending more time with her he you know walked that back he gained respect right. for her he saw that and his actions were inappropriate and he yes, didn't he want her to feel that himself right and he put it on her and he right. failed her and then like yeah exactly right. I, would, I would agree with that i i wish it, uh, that's a good explanation they could have gone with i would have preferred something more like the i don't know i i felt like a father figure to you i i felt i had more uh, you were the best initiate i ever had and 
I started caring for your success so much that I was worried, I don't know, that I was overdoing it and I failed. I don't know. It just got weird right yeah. there at the end. I, I, and... I, I feel like they were trying to justify why he washed her out. And I just, right. in like the, I just feel like that would have been the better thing for them to admit to that he did it because he had, um, you know, carnal thoughts about her. I and mean, he was, you know, worried about his own interaction. And he, and he chose the, the, he made the wrong choice to wash her For out. the right reason. Right. No, that, that his initial choice was wrong in washing her out because it was his issue, not hers. She oh, I should, see. Right. So then that would explain why when she reapplied, he did nothing to stand in her way because he would have had time to see the error of his ways. And then when she reapplied, he's now, he takes himself out of the situation. He's not her initiate supervisor anymore. He's not overseeing her program. He's out of the way so that she can do this fairly and then when i say right intention i mean like he knew that he couldn't be fair with her and that's why he kicked her out but it's not the right reason he should he should have left not right her out right that's the that would have been the correct thing to do but yeah anyway yeah um but then yeah and then it's like and then that would also explain why he didn't want to rejoin with her because now the the real the relevation of his nefarious thoughts and pushing her out of the the program and all that stuff would have something that even he himself had repressed would now be at the forefront of her and as a person who is the amalgam of all of these people's experiences putting that kind of thing on her would seem unfair yet again but again he's making the wrong choice he's making a selfish choice like he made the first time and that would have been to me the greater resolution of him growing as a person even though he's dead still growing as a person right. to recognize he in both instances was being selfish and he needs right. to you know suck it up and do the right thing for real yeah and i part of the reason why it also kind of falls flat is because part of the reconciling here is she said he says i love you and she says i love you but it's not the same kind of love that he's talking about as you just pointed out he is a licentious love a lustful love for her mm-hmm. Even if, even if he has on some level toned that down, when she says "I love you back," it's not in the same way. No, um, you're a part of me. Okay, fine, because you have the trill relationship. But yeah, it definitely felt a little. It, it it fumbled the end. Yeah, it, I, it was so great. The whole Odo playing everything and meeting Curzon as a character, all that was fantastic. They just fumbled the touchdown. <laughs> Especially considering how much we had heard about Curzon up to this point. The number of references that we have to Curzon are significant. And I mean, that's yes. kind of the whole basis for why um, Jadzia and Cisco get along so well so quickly. There's no right. hesitancy between them. There's no awkwardness because of the bond that he has with Curzon. And those scenes when Odo came to Cisco's quarters as Curzon and the the friendship and all the rest of it. And it was there. Yes. Like if anything, we should have had more of that. I would have loved to see right. them kind of like doing certain things around the station and kind of letting us see that magnanimous stature that we've kind of had Curzon talked up to us right. so much. And then it does kind of fall flat when he avoids Jadzia. And it seems like really all he wants to do is kind of just like play games and drink. And, you know, they, they, it was diminished a bit when we consider, in a way, how much we felt like we knew Curzon based upon the other references to now finally see him and it falls flat in this weird, you know, like you said, fumbling of the of the character. I don't think right. that they truly were um, ready for what they needed to do with, with Curzon and Jadzia here. Um, we just, I mean, again... This is the man who took the blood oath with the other with Kang, Koloth, and Kor. You know, he's the guy who was supposed to go hunt down the albino. Where's that Curzon at? Yeah. Let me see that kind yeah. of the the, yeah, the the diplomat who was you know yes. making deals with the Ferengi or the the Klingons and yes. all these things. You know, where is that guy? This ambassador, yes. this larger than life person. That's what we needed to see, and we get yeah. just a little bit of that in the sense of. He does we seem get the party animal version, yeah, which yeah. I can understand that. Yeah, if that was part of his personality, and I don't, I'm not. I guess what I would be getting at is like I want to see more because, as you point out, we know there's more facets <laughs> to the character, right. and uh, uh, it seems like we only got to see part of him. And yeah, you're right. The whole Klingon thing, like the diplomat, the guy who's a warrior on some level, 
Um, and that actually comes back to that ties into me that I felt like this episode kind of retconned some of the stuff we've already had from Jadzia about certain things. Like there was the episode where she was training that other guy about what it might be like to be a trill mm-hmm. who joins. And she's talking about what it was like when Curzon was her mentor. And it's like, at that point, she's already overcome all of her insecurities about that. And this episode like backtracks a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a little frustrated with that. I know you've already mentioned back during the season one, we started talking about trill physiology and, you know, the salt water analogy and all that, that the trill thing the trill hole all of it does seem to have a lot of kind of wishy-washy it mm-hmm. works how they want it to work per episode type of approach which is unfortunate because it does feel like you know i thought Jadzia was over here doing this and now i'm hearing that she's still struggling with her uh, uh, feelings for uh yeah. for curzon etc um yeah it, it I, I mean it really makes me realize and understand why Jadzia Dax was a character that never got a lot of screen time, at least not directly, because they just never could figure out, or at least they had a lot of trouble, really grasping who the character is, what makes her a trill, what doesn't, how does that affect her personality, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, Um, and it's interesting because I, and as a person who's watched this show many times, I know that um, she, to me, she always stands out as a very, um, unique and, and powerful character and um, I think that it has to do with the fact that a lot of this stuff drops away later so I guess that's kind of a mild spoiler there for you like because they, they stop focusing so much on these things and really kind of allow Jadzia to be her own person after a certain point and we're, we're getting right. there and again I think that's right. why this next especially this next season I feel like it's such a turning point for the show because there are so many things that change for us um, and, and that's one of them now that we've had this moment we can kind of reconcile what the other um, personalities inside her we're about. We don't really need to revisit this ever again. And yeah, I mean, we're we're so all over the place with what the Trill can and can't do, and and whatever this. Even even the newer Trek shows don't hammer it out well. You know, Discovery has done um, a few episodes about the Trills and you know their unique physiology and what they can you know do and the persistence of memory and so forth. And still, it doesn't it doesn't quite match up with what we already knew about um, Trills, which is frustrating considering how how much time they had to write what right. they wrote about that, you know, about the Trills when they came to doing this episode. Because again, right. you know, Discovery is one of the newer shows. So they, I mean, they had 20 something years. Go back, right. read, you know, do some right. research. Right. But again, it still gives us some very interesting things. And um, one of those beyond Curzon is of course, Duran. We have to talk about Duran. Duran Dax, the musician turned murderer who takes over Cisco's body, and they are so fearful of this individual that they put him in a holding cell. Right. So, what did you think of Avery Brooks here playing the uh, murderous musician? Well, I. As I've said before, that what I learned when I took acting classes is committing to a choice. Um, and I like the choice that Avery Brooks makes here. I think it's a little bit strained, to be frank, but it is really good. He takes I, – I have the subtitles on when I'm watching, and it said – when he first talks, it says, high-pitched, melodious voice. So Avery Brooks, deep voice, commanding, suddenly is talking in a very melodious, kind of high-pitched voice. And it, again, it's kind of strained. It's a strained choice a little bit, but I kind of like it because it's creepy. It's immediately creepy, and it's immediately why the character is, um, like, you can understand if you remember who the character was. As you said, he's a musician. He says he'd been practicing your music, yada, yada, yada. But he's also unhinged. He immediately goes into weird rants about my power and... I'm better than you, and if you would just give in to me, I could make you better. Like, all of the weird, dark fantasies that you could imagine a, a, another voice would be whispering in your ear. So it was an interesting choice. Again, a little strained, but fun, especially for it was a kind of a brief thing. Well, so, oh, you, you, you have a lot to say. Oh, I, I, I do. <laughs> I, I love that you were talking about the commitment to the character that Avery Brooks gave. So, yes. uh, for those of you who don't know, and like David, I know he doesn't know... Um, 
The scenes with Avery Brooks as Duran actually had to be filmed twice. And they had to be filmed twice because the first time they did it, he was so good, he was so effective, that he creeped everybody out and they didn't want to use it. They asked him to do it again. Oh, no! They asked him to do it again so that he could dial it back. So what you actually oh, see... No. What you actually see is the less creepy version of Duran. So I want you to try and imagine that and then just crank up the volume on that and just imagine what that could have possibly have been like, that it was so intense and so creepy that they were like, nah, do it again. We, We can't can't have this at all so um yeah they you know they're called the 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 filming of the dailies you know um and they said that yeah they just they couldn't use it because he creeped and apparently it was like widespread he creeped everybody out that day when they were filming those scenes and they were like you have to do it again and they uh so yeah i could just imagine him like probably wandering around the set and just kind of like sneaking up on people and you know saying things and and doing those I can, I, the Heath Ledger oh, in, absolutely. In the yeah. and, and, you know, and Avery Brooks has a reputation for being a bit um, eccentric anyway. So to add in such commitment to a murderous uh, character with that kind of bent in your personality anyway, I think yeah. that um, it probably did lend itself to him just seeming really just... <laughs> just bizarre and just being like, yeah, you're freaking us out, dude. You've got to, you've got to dial it back. So yeah, I knowing that and then watching those scenes, it always just, you know, kind of cracked me up because it's like, it's such a short scene. And yet they were like, no, you, you're, you're too much. And again, it's something that I feel like we should have got more of. I would have loved to have seen something about, you know, um, maybe he escaped for a little while, you know, Or just yeah, just something. That's exactly what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And like you know, maybe um, he takes Jake hostage or something. You know, and just, just there are so many other things that could have been done with that. But I, I know that the the true part of the episode was about Curzon and Jadzia, but there was a lot of untapped potential there with creepy I, Cisco Duran. I mean, I, I really I. Part of me really wanted the, the – I mean, I expected it to happen, so I don't know if wanted is quite right. But in talking about it, I kind of want to go back and wish they had done more with it because it could have maybe pushed the idea that Dax is is kind of talented. She is managing, what, eight personalities? You know, her own and seven others? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, the, the, the symbiote helps, and the others were supposedly – you know, they weren't – you know, murderers, they weren't insane. But right. That's the whole point of that episode where she went back to the Trill home planet is because they had these repressed memories uh, of him, uh, of Duran, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was causing problems. They had to figure out the history of the character and why his uh, memories were causing problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of like the idea that Cisco, you know, Cisco, who's, you know, our guy, like he would be overwhelmed by what Dax or what Jadzia does, um, that there is this personality that overwhelms him, that the other personalities didn't overwhelm the other characters. Like for example, with Quark, when the, when he was pretending or not pretending, when he was embodying the woman, she said the, the host of this body wants to talk like as if she was still able to, like, like, like she was still in control on some level, even mm-hmm. though Jadzia had said, You'll be able to control your body and reassert. Like even in that moment, it almost questions that statement because she's. It's not that Quark pops up and says, "Hey, what are we doing?" Uh, it's like she says, "Oh, he's banging on the back door." Basically, in my mind. Um, so yeah, it's it's. Part of me would have again, if this had been a two part episode, if this one had been the episode where he gets free and J- Cisco goes nuts. And the end of the episode was about getting him. And then the next episode was about completing the process. And it was all about Curzon. And we could have done a whole Curzon episode. Right. I see what you're saying. And, and yeah, and I mean, because especially with such dynamic characters like Curzon and Duran, they definitely needed more. There should have been right. more for them. And we just, we just don't get it. Which is kind of the, you know, the um, MO with a lot of, Dax's episodes. There's always this great potential for more, and we get 
almost none. So it, it's maybe that's why the character gets built up so much because there's such an intense desire for more, and it you know they leave you wanting more. They do a really great job at that right. because we just right. don't we don't get it, and um, you know. I, I don't know what else to really say about the, those two characters, Curzon and and Duran, but they both just seem to lend themselves to being, you know, larger than life. And even you know, Duran even says so. He's like, "You're just a pretty girl. You are nothing compared to mm. me and Curzon and Leela and Tarias and Emma, Emony." You know, and like he names, and they all have these great accomplishments too. And then we have Jadzia here, which you know. What what is her accomplishment? Like they've all done great things, you know. Like Leela, the first host, was a famous, you know, lawyer and arbitrator on on Trill. She was a great politician, you know. Emily was a fantastic gymnast. Tarias was a pilot of some renown. Tobin was a mathematician of you know extreme you know note. And then of course we already know about uh, Curzon. And Duran yeah. distinguished with the Klingons, of right? Well, yeah. And Duran, besides being a murderer, he was a world-renowned musician. So I mean, they have these great, these great things about them. And then we have Jadzia, and I mean, we don't know beyond her being a the first Trill initiate who was rejected to reapply and then succeed. That seems to be the only thing that has any standout value right now right. with her. Right. So, I mean, even her being in Starfleet is not a particular distinction. There are other trills in Starfleet as well. So, yeah, there doesn't seem to be anything yet that really distinguishes her as being worthy of the Dax symbiont. We kind of get this feeling that this Dax symbiont is, is particularly famous. I mean, heck, right. we had a guy take over the station to get the Dax symbiont for, for Pete's That's sakes, right. you know? So, I mean... There is something about the notoriety of Dax that seems to lend itself towards the individuals being or becoming more than what they initially started out as. And we haven't really right. seen that with Jadzia um, just yet. So hopefully we can um, see some changes here in the upcoming seasons. Ho hopefully, I say, as a person who hasn't watched this show like nine times. Um <laughs> Yeah, but now let's turn our attention to, of course, our our B story here, um, the the Ferengi family. We're kind of you know getting a different family dynamic because we we had the Ferengi family in our last week episode. No, not last week, but the week before um, with family business, in which we saw Quark and Rom return to the home world to handle Moogie and her issues. Now we're back on the station, and we have Quark and Rom once again. Only this time, Nog is thrown in the mix. So. Um, this is kind of this is also a follow up of you know Nog early on you know begging Cisco to sponsor him to join Starfleet and right. we had a fantastic scene in an episode with Nog pleading his case to Cisco as to why he wants to join Starfleet you know and uh, not end up yeah. like his father and now here we see he's following through on that he's in the hollow suites he's practicing Jake's interrupting him of course because Jake doesn't care. Uh, that that so bothered weird. me. It bothered me so much that he barged into the the holodeck. I mean, we're always told that the to meet me like thirty minutes. Right. Ago. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, use your you, you don't have a way of communicating with your friend that doesn't involve you intruding on his privacy in the holodeck. Yeah. Like really, you just walked yeah. in. So yeah, that that bothered me a little bit. But um, yeah, here he is trying to you know practice and get himself ready, and um, he's you know really committed to this goal, and I really enjoyed seeing that. With him, um, even though Jake is huge, like when they did those that scene where Jake was like towering over him and they were talking, and he patted his shoulder. Right, yeah. I was like Jesus Christ, like <laughs> kids growing yeah, up Nog, so fast. Yeah, I forget the name of the actor who plays Nog, but yeah, he hasn't grown anything, and you know our uh, Sirach Lofton is like talent. Yeah, he's like grown a full foot since the show started. Yeah, yeah he has. <laughs> kids huge. Yeah. 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 But I love seeing their their friendship and their dynamic and, you know, supporting each other, even though Nog's like, you know, Quirk, he wants to be a writer. There's no profit in being a writer. And Quirk's like, um, actually, if you write Hollow Suite programs, especially those of the intimate variety, a lot of money in that. Uh, I'll give you money if you guys, if you both write one. Is that what he said? Yes, I, I will one? put up, if you, if you come to me with the proposal, and oh I will gosh. put up the Latin to get your program started. 
So, I mean... Oh my the, gosh, the implications of what was just requested. Oh my exactly. gosh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, 17-year-old boys, I got a proposition for you. What do you think? Right. You want to oh write You want to write a sex program? I'll pay you. Like, <laughs> pay you good. Uh, man. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad that they both were like, heck no. Right. We're not, yeah, we're not going to do that at all. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean and then of course we see that Nom uh, Nom Nog goes to take the um exam with uh O'Brien watching over him and it's in ops. So we saw earlier he was practicing on a shuttlecraft. Now it's actually in ops and we see that you know this is pretty much done intentionally. Like almost like they had been watching him. They knew he had been practicing and they were like, "Well, we're not going to test you where you practice. That's not it's a it's a stress test, so we're not going right. to practice. We're not going to. We want to see how you act under pressure. So here you go. Um, to me, like I was thinking about it when I watched, it, I was like, that would be a great holodeck program. Like I would play that one. Like you know, I want to know what it's like to be in ops and to um, you know have the infamous you know something happen, the mystery of the week, which is kind of an odd oblique callback to another episode where Quark was trying to get an image of Kira. For our our guy, remember who wanted Kira in the holodeck, yes. and uh, that's and, uh, and that's what he that's the excuse that uh, Quark gives Kira when he when he gets caught trying to take her picture that he's trying to put together a holodeck program where um, people get to see what it's like to be in ops and you know standing shoulder right. to shoulder with the heroes you know so <laughs> I was like it's a good idea too bad uh, you were lying but it's a good idea. <laughs> oh my. Cork, yikes! Yeah. As, as every time that you think that you found something redeemable about the guy, they they find a way to be, make you be like, mm, no, not so much. I mean, he even yeah. goes so far as to sabotage Nog's uh, test so that he yes. fails, and he and he doesn't he doesn't even seem to feel bad about it. He's more upset that he got caught and is yeah. threatened than he is by the fact that he you know did this to his his, his nephew. Pet? Yeah. Like, and then he tells him, "Well, just want you to know, you will always have a place at Quarks." It's like, yeah, I don't want to be your stock boy forever. The kid has aspirations, and this man's right. intentionally trying to keep him down. What a terrible uncle! He really is. And he, was he was a horrible son. Just a couple episodes ago, he's a horrible uncle. Uh, the only person to ever get anything on him is his brother Rom, who in this episode gets in his face, and I loved it. Especially because it tied into the whole Curzon uh, Jadzia part of the episode, because mm. uh, part of what's going on, you know, Jadzia is wanting to, or Jadzia is initially like, okay, I don't, I don't want to fight Curzon about getting his memories back in my body. Um, if Odo and the two of them want to stay merged, fine. And you know, Cisco tells her, no, I know, J I know Curzon. He does overstep boundaries, and I definitely had to tell him not to when I was his friend, um, and you need to do the same. You need to stand up to him. And right before she stands up to him, we get, or I think it was, I think the, episode, the scene was Rom stands up to Cork, and he says, I know what you did. My son's happiness is more important than Latinum, and I will burn the bar down if you ever do anything to him again. And I've already I... told Cisco. It's not that I'm going to tell him. I've already told him. Yeah, it was yeah, I I love that scene when he told him he's like, I've already told Cisco what you did, and if you ever do anything to hurt Rom again, I'll burn the bar to the ground. And yeah. he's like, you wouldn't dare. And he's like, oh yes, I would. It's <laughs> <I was> like <laughs> Jesus Christ, like he was scary in that moment, and I yeah. I but I loved it. I just loved how yeah. you know committed he was to his his son, and that also kind of right. goes back to the family business episode because that's what Moogie says about him is that how how much um. Nog was like um, their father, Keldar, whereas right. Quark is like her. You know, right. Quark has the you know the business acumen, but um, Nog is the family man, like their father, right. and their father took right. care of them and kept their home nice and going and everything else. And he took advice from um, uh, from Ishka, you know, right. to do things. So, yeah, great, great setup. Great, right. great setup for them, and um, yeah, Rom and Nog both nail it here in this situation, and, and I guess to a certain extent, Quark does too by being a consistent Ferengi, not wanting Ferengis to have, 
you know, things in common or doing the same things that humans do, you know, but, um, but man, those two in particular, Nog and Rom really just, they're great together. I really enjoyed it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great little moment, especially the whole, I got a suit made for him by, um, Garrick. Garrick. Uh, and then he comes out at the end of the episode and he announces his son, the newest, uh, was it applicant or cadet? I mean, he's, he's not a he's, cadet. He is now. He yeah. is an. He's basically an initiate. He gets to, like I said, he's taken the test that proves he now gets to take the next test. Right, and uh, yeah, that's funny scene where O'Brien, he's throwing darts and he pauses and he says to Bashir, "I just realized that if that kid passes that test in a year, I'll start calling him sir." <laughs> yeah, because that's right. Because uh, O'Brien's a non-com, so yeah. Um, yeah. As soon as as soon as. Uh, Quark, or not Quark, but as soon as Nog gets his first pip there, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, it ranks him. Yeah, so. I can't wait to see that scene. That'll be hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a it was a great little scene, again, again because it, it can tie it in back to the Curzon stuff. Um, so, yeah, uh, Odo as Curzon was just great. Rene Abergenois, again, the, the chance he got to play as a, as a different character. It's Odo, but not Odo. They did a great job of, of seamlessly doing the transitions too. Like when he, mm-hmm. his face changed or when his clothes changed into that Persian rug, as you mentioned, they did a pretty good job of seamlessly doing that. Yeah. Um, I was pretty, I was impressed. Um, and then of course he acts different, but the best part of all that, even the weird, Curzon being in love with Jadzia was the very end when he walks up to Dax and asks Lieutenant, can I sit down? And they talk. And they both express their understanding of each other better. You know, she understands the joy of being a changeling and moving around and all that. And he expresses the joy, finally, of food and, and, and all that. And food and drink and they get to appreciate each other more which is just honestly the sweetest thing it's that's 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 why you want to watch a show you want people to come to understand each other you want to see them connect and have relationships and you know just friendly relationships friends um and it was a great little moment there at the end you know both uh, odo in this season he's gotten closer to garrick just a few episodes back now he's got a chance to kind of uh, get to know Dax better and her the same, know him better, and uh, I really, I really appreciated that. It's like that makes sense. This is that this was a great episode to un- for us to understand how they could have come to understand each other a little bit better uh, through Curzon, and um, yeah, I I was glad in part that it, mainly that Odo got to understand the joy of eating and drinking because yeah, he was knocking back drinks. He was yeah, Curzon. he certainly he certainly got to understand <laughs> drinking. The man, yes. from the moment that we first saw him, when he walked into Cisco's quarters, one of the first things he does, pours a drink. He the yes. Later, when they go to the bar, he orders Tranya and drinks yes. it down with, with Dax. And then later on, he's drinking in Quark's, not Quark's, but in uh, Odo's office. Yes. Evidence. Evidence. Yes. He's drinking it. It's like, Jesus Christ, dude. She's like, isn't that evidence? And he goes, ah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. It's like, I think the curse on personality might be beating the Odo personality out a little bit. <laughs> Jesus. But that was also great when he was like, "That one Ferengi is a hustler. Let's go beat him." Um, yeah, it was fun. Like, I honestly would have loved more of this Curzon Odo merging of the personalities. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like I said, if they had committed a whole episode to that part of it, that would have been fantastic. But um, anyway. That would have been a great cliffhanger. It would have been a great cliffhanger for, like, we just solved the whole problem with Cisco being a murderous runaround. And then at the very end of the episode, okay, she's going to merge with Kurt. Odo's going to merge with Curzon. And his face changes. And he gets the trill stripes. And then it says, to be continued. That would have been fantastic. Ugh. I totally Dang agree. It. They should they should have just committed to this two-part episode. Well, Everyone should have been in just a two-part episode. <laughs> Well, I feel like the reason that they didn't was mainly because obviously we're coming to the end of the third season and they're needing to really kind of shift the focus of the show a little bit because there's a lot of things that are coming up here, especially in season four, which, you know, are really laying the the groundwork for what this show is going to be about. So the, the ending of Deep Space Nine really begins in our next episode. So it's just like they... 
They, I guess they could have made this a two-parter and then just had everything into season four, but I think that they were really trying to give us some kind of a, a cliffhanger and kind of, you know, and giving us kind of a dark element to fester on between seasons three and four. Because we haven't really had that. As we've moved through season three, if you've noticed, there's been a lot of wrap-up of, like, uh, ex- certain external troubles, like Cisco kind of getting over the loss of Jennifer and the PTSD and, and all that. We now kind of have a more, you know, in a sense, a more fleshed out uh, Jadzia Dax. We've got the Bajor situation kind of under control now. Bajor was all over the place in the first, second, and part of the third season here. And now we have the fractured leadership, a lot less fractured. We now have a Kai, we now have a prime minister. You know, like all of these things are all being summed up and so we need something new to focus on and we're getting there. And so the next episode really kind of like leans hard into that. And then of course, when we get into season four, you're going to see why. But yeah, I think that's why, despite the fact there was a lot of potential here, like we already talked about with Duran and of course Curzon, that they um, didn't, um, didn't go down that route this time around right so but yeah i mean all that to, to still say uh renee does such a great job um, with this character and giving us such a different view of odo and odo's desires to be different odo was always such a you know standoffish character he's a mystery to us and to suddenly find him you know joined and he's happy and he's you know really taken to this persona is um it's fascinating to watch and i mean as he says he's still odo he's still security you know and there's obviously yeah there's still evidence of that throughout his right yeah right but um but he he just does it so well he 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 holds to the to both characters so well and it's nice to see renee get to really express some some range here you know and really just kind of show us the power of the actor that he is. He is, he's great. And, uh, it always, whenever I see stuff like this, it always just makes me so sad that, you know, um, that Renee died, you know, he, he died in, uh, 2019. Um, but yeah, it just, it always just makes me so sad. Cause I mean, you know, especially now as Star Trek seems to be having, you know, kind of its own little, um, renaissance to a certain degree and characters are beginning to, you know, come back in one way or another, to know that, you know, he won't be a part of that. I mean, I, I guess that's going to be true of all of them at some point, you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, he was a very unique character, and he'll definitely be missed, you know. Yeah. I was doing some reading about Renee earlier, and did you, I don't know if anybody really cares to know this or not, but I'm going to tell you anyway. His mother was actually a princess. So, um, yeah, that's an interesting French little... princess? Yeah, his his mother was uh, Princess Laura Marat. She was um, descended from Napoleon Bonaparte's family line, and, oh. and when he was wow. briefly the you know king and emperor and all that kind of stuff, she is uh, one of them. So okay. the man was literally royalty, and he was on so our show. You're saying Aberson Waugh was descended from Napoleon Bonaparte. Wow. Well, yes, yes. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) no, she was, she was the daughter of one of Napoleon's, um, marshals who was then the one time King of Naples. So, okay. Okay. And then, and then, well, so, so yeah, so she was, she was the daughter of one of the generals who then married, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte's sister. That's how she got the, the princess title there what she married his sister no his mother was was princess laura right right laura's father was the general who married napoleon's sister when napoleon was when napoleon was king emperor so forth so because they all were elevated up to royalty status she became princess laura and Okay, yes. not directed through Napoleon, but his sister. Yes. Got it. Okay. Yes. Got it. Okay. Okay. So. Still. Still. Yeah. <laughs> fascinating bit of real life history there, mixed in with our uh, our 24th century fantasy here. So. Right. Well, 
I think we're coming right up on it. So, uh, you know, is there anything else that you feel like you would like to say about this episode? Uh, again, Dax is an interesting character. Uh, I, I liked the way they did this. I think, again, they had to retcon some stuff in order to make it work, which is unfortunate. The Odo Curzon stuff was definitely the best. The Cisco stuff was fun, but brief. Um, but yeah, one more episode in season three. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I will agree. A very interesting episode, and I'm finally, I'm just so excited because we're just, we're on the cusp of some great stuff. Like, I think I've been really been waiting for season four since, like, we started doing this way back whenever, with, with before season one. I think when we talked about doing this podcast, season four was what I had in mind, like, the whole time. Right. So, you know, yeah. um, so I'm excited. Um, yeah. And then, of course, we get all the new Trek stuff um, as well that we get to talk about and other shows. So I think this, again, season four, we'll definitely will, will be seeing more parallels between shows like um, Battlestar Galactica and, uh, of course, The Expanse. So um, just to give everybody a little preview of what's coming up for us, obviously we have the final episode of season three to go over. Then we will also be having another um, Fire Caves After Dark where we talk about the third book of the expanse i will finally be finished and we'll be able to um get through that and then of course we will do our little um recap as well and then we will be starting uh season four so a couple more things a little housekeeping stuff that we have to do before we actually get into season four but bear with us be there for the excitement and again if you have anything that you want to say um anything that you want to comment on any of that stuff um Please feel free to direct it to us through right now Facebook, but of course the Twitter stuff will be taken care of soon. Also, have something planned, a little special for us for um, a particular episode in uh, season four. So stay tuned for all that, and until next time, take care of yourselves. Thanks, guys.